Yo, this is BJ Gador with the BJ Gador podcast, and I've got who with me? Naomi. Of? The Twisted Mirror podcast. Shout out! <laughs> we are a husband and wife business lover team. We're also huge fans of television, and we just finished, for the second time, HBO's Succession, or should I say Max? Max. Who, who's Max? Is this not the worst fucking business move in the history of business? I haven't spoken to one person who's like, that was a good idea. You take what is like home box office. <laughs> I'm so I get so upset. I get I get emotional. I, I know I know what it is, but I get so emotional talking about it. And there was this like strategic integration where we went from HBO to HBO Max, and now it's just Max. They're like, let's just erase decades of brand equity. And just name it after what sounds like some guy. Let's take HBO. Those three letters which are synonymous with... Quality television. World-class television. Secession. Game of Thrones. I mean, though the ending is questionable. Overall great series. Um, and let's just call it Max. And no one... I don't... They, they haven't given me a clear... I had to, like, find articles because it was so annoying. I looked up articles like, why? Because they keep saying all these big revolutionary things coming. And then the next day, it's there. And besides a new sound effect, uh, there's no, like, explanation. They're just like, Max is coming. Get excited. And then you go in and there's nothing different. In fact, then I found out they took things away because they're trying to get away from, and I get it, there's, you know, streaming services are going through this, like, uh, they're going through some times right now trying to figure out. Tell me about it. I have yeah. a streaming subscription <laughs> fitness website. The ones that make movies and stuff and HBO, like, a lot of things happen in the, in the past few years when it comes to consuming entertainment with the theaters and stuff like that. But they had a couple of like straight to HBO releases where they felt like catabolized money from some of the oh, movies. They, they single-handedly destroyed the theater. Yeah. It, it worked out great well, for all of us stuck at home during the pandemic. But once we got a taste of what it was like to watch a theatrical release at home and yeah. the comfort, I, I have my Normatex. The yeah. compression where I put those Normatex on, I eat whatever I want. Can I can pause. take a poop. I can poop yeah. in my chair. Oh, the best is when you order takeout. Like we, my favorite is when we order this Korean and then we. Ooh, watch. which closed down. Oh, every business, such a good place. every great business is, is oh just my God, fucking it's devastating. Places that held out. This Korean place had the best fried chicken. Like, there's no other. I've been to other Korean places, but this place had some special fried chicken. But every time you would go, I'm pretty sure it was being cooked, served, and run by one man. And I think he was just unable to sustain. And they stopped doing deliveries. And I'm like, okay, obviously, they just couldn't take the, the load. And you have to go pick it up. And then suddenly, you know, one day I look and they're closed. The other day, I look and they're closed. Devastating. We'll never taste that fried chicken again. No, and never will we go to a theater again either. Because, again, the privacy and comfort of your own home you can stop it and pause it, intermission, take a little walk, do a little stretch, not have to get stuck in the theater seats. No. Mind you, not have to worry about, I hate to say it, a mass shooting. Oh, God, I know. I mean, you're just, USA, you are. USA, USA, but then. The movie industry right now is like, this guy, this, this is the final blow. <laughs> and so what they're trying to do is kind of go back to the segmented way that it used to be. So something would be in theaters and then you would have to rent it and then it would go to some sort of streaming service. So they're trying to basically stretch things back out. So they actually, they had made some straight to HBO like shows that they actually pull like, so these weren't even theater things, but they're just trying so hard to rebrand this maxing that they've taken shows that they had made for HBO and they pulled, they pulled them out of max. 
So I, I still don't, honestly, I don't fully understand it. I only have so many hours to devote to investigating why they did this. But I don't see, I, I just, I don't get it. Globally, it's been considered the, the, the worst move no of the one, century. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> and by the way, look, even Michael Jordan takes a shit. By, by the way, Michael Jordan, the widely considered, especially by elder people, over 40, um, to be the greatest basketball player of all time, is also considered by many to be the worst basketball owner of all time, but he is... Oh, sell- like the owner. I thought you said basketball winner. I, I said basketball like, owner. Basketball, basketball owner, okay. just in terms... They, Unless you Scottie Pippen, then you think he's... They went to the playoffs twice in his tenure with the Charlotte Hornets slash Bobcats. Yeah. He bought it for $235 million. He's He's basically making one-plus billion in the exit... And they made the playoffs twice, never made it past yeah. the first round. He failed upward. But Scott, I was going to say, Scottie Pippen apparently thinks he's a terrible basketball player. Yeah, also. I, I get, I'm not a big sports follower. But Michael I, Jordan's son is, sma- is smashing Scottie Pippen's wife. Yeah, that whole drama. You want to talk about secession? That could be its own drama. We should do a Last Dance yeah. episode. But look, if you hear us sipping, it's, we got dietary limeades because we needed some fuel for this. This show is something else, man. Like, this is the first show... I've ever finished and immediately went back to rewatch. And it's why, in my opinion, it is the number, it's my all time favorite television show. It's definitely on the Mount Rushmore. I'd put it right with Breaking Bad slash Better Call Saul. And you know what? Even though Game of Thrones ended. <laughs> we should and, rewatch it anyway. Yeah, but I mean, like, Game of Thrones changed television forever. So yeah, it ended in a not the best way, but I would put it there too. And, and you know. The Americans, I think, is also an excellent That's show. also incredible. When you, when you talk about a show that just didn't misstep, yeah, just beginning to end was excellent and ended when it needed to end. Americans is up there. I don't think it gets enough credit for that. Well, this is what HBO does, though. They had Oz. They had The Wire, which we only did season one of, but most people say, like, a lot of people say it's their favorite show yeah, ever. we just, we lost. Sopranos. And then yeah. th- this show, Game of Thrones, and then this show, I mean, holy shit. But now they're Max. <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't want to talk about Max today. But now we did. Um, what does he call it earlier? Ichabal? Ichabal? Ichabal. Ichabal. Oh, I know. I said, Homboxus. It, it By the way, it's, it's been a long day for us. We are uh, self-employed, which is also a way of saying unemployed. Uh, we've, we have multiple businesses. But, you know, why, why is this meathead talking about, like, who is this guy? He, he's not even that great of a writer and all he writes about is fitness. Well, my wife is a writer of 10 books and she makes original stories and original stories for her podcast, Twisted Mirror. Check it out on iTunes and Spotify. And you know good writing. You know... And I actually think you're a very good writer. You don't give yourself Oh, thanks so much. Thanks so much. I know, I know. No one can... You know, you know what's annoying? Like, I can't compliment you because you're so cynical. So even when I say something like that, you're like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'm a good writer. Just take I'm, the compliment. Take I'm, the I'm good compliment. for fitness. Because basically... No, that's how you just happen to write a lot about fitness. If I gave you another topic to write an essay on that was a good topic, I'm sure you'd nail it. Oh. You see? You know what? <laughs> no, I appreciate, I, I appreciate that, but you are the best writer I know. And the best storyteller I know. I, I'll take it. So... No, see, that, that's how you take the compliment. You say thank you. I guess, uh, okay, thank you, thank you. Okay. Though I, I, caught a, it. I caught a typo in one of my works today, too, actually, and I was so pissed. That's grammar. Or that's, I mean, it, honestly, it wasn't my mistake. Grammar. It was the editor's mistake, but I didn't catch it. So, yeah, no, you're the perfectionist. Yeah, it's my, it's my anything, fault. I, I'm terrible. At it's my fault. Typos, my brain. So, yeah, this is this a is fitness, this tends to be a fitness podcast, but 
we uh, we also love we love television. How much TV have we watched together? Oh, embarrassing. It's at least an hour every day in the last 20 years, at least. And, and honestly, most nights it's two to three hours. And then some weekends, like we black out and we, and we watch a whole series. Yeah, not as much these days because, you know, we're grown-ups. But, yeah, I mean, I'm actually mostly, you know, inspired. My writing is mostly inspired by what I watch. And the dumb shit I say also. <laughs> sure. I mean, like what? I, I mean, it just seems like I have these... Isms that you can, you can turn into stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my life, is, and you happen to be a large part of it. I see you all day. It's me and one boxer dog. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, so, yeah, there's, you may catch nuggets of things that sound familiar in my stories. Sayings, phrases, things like that. The last story, Doggy Boy, our garbage son, that we have a whole inside joke in our house over, and that somehow became a completely different story. About two old people. All listeners have now tuned out by this point, but <laughs> let me, like, look, were they there? Were they talking about secession? This, this is his uh, favorite TV show. He doesn't seem to talk much about it. <laughs> but listen, um, we're going to get into that, and this is now the point where we say you've got to watch this show if you're into television and you're into seeing some of the best writing, some of the best acting, some of the best casting in the fucking game. Watch this show, pause this episode, come back to it when you finish, because now we're about to talk about a bunch of shit that's going to ruin it for you. With one caveat, because I have heard people that don't like the show, they're like, well, none of the characters are likable. If you you want, like, a feel-good show... Watch Ted Lasso. Yeah. Okay? Oh, sorry. Yeah. If you want to live in an alternate reality, watch Ted Lasso. But if Where kindness wins the day. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, make you some cookies. You know what's really funny? Like, we liked Ted Lasso's first... Has Has it been three seasons now? We watched the first season, and we watched. It's a it. fine show. Yeah, we watched it. But I'm not going to do a podcast. No, about and it. it was like in the heart of the pandemic, where like things were just going not great for yeah. us. But, I, and so you let's take to, an insult and turn the other cheek. That's not the world we live in anymore. No, yeah, and it was just like, okay, I'm just going to have pure cotton candy. I need some cotton candy, no. right? And I, then we, I, I, and you then get season, di- you get diabetes watching that show. Season three just came out, right? Season three, and we were like, well, let's give it a shot. Let's like we have some things we call like. TV eating where it's like a show you don't need to pay much attention to that you kind of really eat dinner to. And no matter what, we always win because we're put, we're stuffing our mouths. Yeah, like you don't you don't need to look at the television all the time. And we made it through one episode of Ted Lasso and we were like, yeah, at that time, it's passed for us. For us personally. Jason Sudeikis, who's a big fan of my show, of this episode, uh, not of this episode, but he, he listens to my podcast, Jason Sudeikis. Sudeikis? Sudeikis? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to Wait. trick some people that are like, if this is a new listener, but oh, this is an important show. Oh, okay. I was like, you didn't tell me Jason Sudeikis was, um, and now you call him Sudeikis. Sudeikis. It's, it's kind of my nickname for him. It's a pet name. Um, he's cool. Dude's I love cool. the guy, and he's uh, really cool. Um, but we just couldn't do, and I and I think that I don't think the show has changed that much. It's just that like our mentality is, it's just not the right. We're past, like, I don't need cotton candy anymore. This shows the opposite. The complete opposite. It's, it's feel, but it's clever. Um, there's humor, dark humor, uh, inappropriate humor, that kind of stuff in it. And the people are, they have moments of, they're terrible. They're all terrible, I would say. But they're all vulnerable. They have moments. There's reasons. That's, that's what good writing is about, right? You understand why they're the way they are, why they're so damaged, why they're so corrupt, and... They do the things that they do to each other. And also, if you ever had a dysfunctional family 
or if you've ever had one, I don't know where they went. If you've ever been in a dysfunctional family, you know, you know the cycle of horrific things you say to each other or arguments and then you don't necessarily sit down and say I'm sorry but the next day everything's fine in quotation marks right you just kind of like move on and you always come back to each other and there's security in that right you there's no matter what you do you'll the next day or the next month you'll see each other again but it's also really toxic because oh yeah <clears throat> you are in a toxic relationship and I, th- I think that's maybe where we start because <clears throat> the theme of this whole series this series tackles a lot of big current issues like wealth inequality uh power players at the top of social media or just spheres of influence yeah news social media politics politics periphery and, and then ultimately just dysfunctional families now look you can decide how much you want to reveal about your family um, I've I've spo- I've spoken openly about the home that I came from, and uh, it, this this series really resonated with me. In particular, the relationship between Logan Roy, who was the owner of Waystar Royco, and you know pretty much the lead, if you will, in this whole series, and his eldest son, not really, but like as he calls himself, the eldest son, uh, Kendall Roy. Um, and by the way. If you're wondering if if you're a, you have a dysfunctional family or not, I have one one of my litmus, litmus tests. Mm-hmm. Can I can I speak? It's been a long day. It's been, it's been a long day. It's been a long day. But you know, basically, our any holiday or special event in a spe, in a dysfunctional family is a fucking nightmare. Sure. Yeah. That's been my that's been my personal experience. But we're not talking like oh, dad's doing the silly thing again. How embarrassing. We're talking about like. Yeah, no, a, a verbally, physically, emotionally abusive household, yeah, like, which gives you PTSD with a lot of things. It, it tends to inform your future relationships with people in and out of your home. It it can make you very cynical of people. And uh, again, I, I, I'm I'm to this day at the age of forty. He's forty, <laughs> battling the effects of coming from a broken home in that way. But I really understand the dynamics, and they hit me hard. And I think they've hit a lot of people. This show resonates. Again, like, I also went to this, like, on financial aid, I went to this incredibly uh, upper-crust, wealthy college preparatory mm-hmm. school called University School of Milwaukee. I mean, how elitist. Just the title. Where all the wealthiest families would come to, and then a couple kids <laughs> like me on financial aid. Um, I got a great education, but I was exposed early. You know, you go to, you go to school, ten, you're 8, 9, 10, you're wearing suits, a blazer and tie and, and you're surrounded yeah. by the wealthiest people in your area and they they just look at they looked at my mom a cleaning lady and my dad a cable guy like they were filth dirt they wouldn't even they would just like they'd ignore them it, it's really just it's disgusting and that's milwaukee we're talking about you know this you're from new york yeah so talk about new york money i mean like what can i say the I had a really unique experience because I was actually talking to BJ about this recently. I was kind of more naive as a kid. I, I don't think I even understood. Uh, I, I think there's two things. New York is a melting pot, right? So like even often wealthy kids are exposed to kids of different classes, races, etc. So that is not to say there isn't a class divide. Um, but I went to a Quaker school for high school. And so there's a more of an emphasis on social justice and a lot of financial aid went out. So there was a lot of rich kids, but there were also a lot of kids that didn't have much mingling. And 
you know, it was really rare. You know, I had friends that were driving, you know, at the time. We're talking about, I'm aging myself here, but what, the, the 90s, the late 90s, you know, driving Escalades to school, right? Like... Their first car. Yeah. Um, Denali's, you know, like, and it's cool to be their friends when they treat you well because, you know, they, you're, you, oh God, Molly. That's, that's the third member of our thruple. Yeah, that's our thruple lady. Um, Molly, please. This is a professional podcast. Oh, you're embarrassing us. She's very protective of the household. Um, I never, I, I mean, I could see the wealth disparity, but in my high school, at least, it was very rare to be made to feel less than by the rich kids and they would sometimes come to they would come to the hood you know they weren't like scared or shook i didn't really see it until college but new york money is no joke like you know uh they're like i had friends in other because i went to like this middle school that like is a feeder to a bunch of different they take poor kids and then they feed them into like prep schools with financial aid so i had friends all over the city in different schools and you know i mean like, one of my friends went to school with, like, the Gucci kids, you know? Like, household name type. Yeah, kids. you could have gone to, to school with the, with the Roy's. Yeah, I actually remember, I went to, um, this is, like, a younger audience won't even know who the hell this is, but, God, what was her name? Never mind. I'm Shout out forget. to Brooklyn Friends School, or do you not want to mention them? <laughs> oh, no, Brooklyn Friends, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's probably changed tremendously, because I know it's grown since I was there, but it was, of all the private school experiences, a poor kid with nothing could have... <laughs> Um, it was one of the better ones. And I know a lot of friends often struggled in the other schools that were a little less geared towards, you know, that environment of trying to be more, you know, inclusive and making people feel whatever. And it was in Brooklyn, you know, so we were like the edgy, there's not as many of those prep schools in Brooklyn or Manhattan. It's just loaded with them. So, um, but yeah, like, you know, you'll be like, Oh, this, you know, talking to someone, oh, this famous artist that's in MoMA is my uncle, you know what I mean, or my aunt. It's just like, that's just like the, the world that you live in. Um, but the thing I was talking to BJ about, just my being naive at that time when, when I was looking at different high schools, you go to all these events, right? They have these like dinners where they like court families. And I would go there with my mom and, you know, we'd be sitting at this table with a bunch of strangers, other parents who are grooming their kids you know it's a completely different environment because these are kids that have been fed at to the finest schools from preschool right like if anyone from new york knows like if you're trying to get your kid in a preschool like a, a selective one like that's competitive so like these kids have been fed and parents may have paid tens of thousands of dollars maybe hundreds at that point for having paid up to their schooling up to that point and then i'm just this like poor kid from the bronx who's has nothing um you know my mom came from Puerto Rico and she didn't have an education past the sixth grade because she had 10 brothers and sisters. She had to help raise when she was little. And, um, that was what her one regret in life, which is why her education was so important to her with me was so that she wanted to like make sure I got the education she didn't have. But, you know, I go to these dinners and they'd sit, they'd be like, Oh, what do your parents do for a living? You know? And I, that was when I started to notice just slightly realize, oh, there's oh, that, differences here. They're, they're literally fishing and filtering whether or not you're worth their time. Yeah, and they were never rude. You know, they never made a face or anything. But I now, as an adult, understand more of those situations and what their perceptions may have been at the table. Let's put it that way, you know. Some, you know, and, um, you know, my mom was a home health aide. So that's very a low wage, that's a low wage job. 
and my father was constantly, you know, he's battled with his demons, um, and so he was constantly in and out of employment, and so, you know, as a, as a kid sitting at those tables, you have to, like, navigate that, you know, I'm, like, 14 years old, starting to understand, okay, like, this is a whole other world, and this is not one that I'm part of, um, there's a couple things to unpack there. <clears throat> Number one, you know, and I, I've, it sounds like some of the other shows out there that talk about TV, but you cannot deny one of the characters is the setting in which this takes place. <laughs> but the cold, concrete jungle of New York, especially on, on the business corporate side, high-rise buildings, industry, yeah. cutthroat, you know, kill, 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 get to the top at all costs. But also, one thing that stands out right away in the story you're telling, it may even be the first episode of the first season, but it's early in the first season where oh, they go sick. play the baseball game. Oh, that's what made me sick. It literally made me nauseous. And the ghoul of the sun that is Rome, Roman, Romulus, whatever you want to call it. All Roman themes. Macaulay Culkin's Home Alones, bro. Okay? <laughs> great actor, by the way, because he made me want to, I wanted to kill oh, him. Oh, no, he's great. He's, I he's, wanted to kill him. He's a very loathsome person, but he's also funny. He is funny. Really He's hilarious. Demented way, but he is one of the more loathsome people on the show. But also, on the other hand, one of the most damaged. Oh yeah, and a, a, a true sexual deviant. But he, <laughs> he, in the ultimate, just filthy power play, there are two, what look to be immigrant workers with their child yeah, at this family, family baseball game, game. Yeah. <clears throat> and he says, "If you hit a home run, I'll give you a million dollars." He writes the check. And he puts it in front of this kid who's maybe, like, what, 11? And his parents are there. They're basically, like, tending the field. That This family has flown in on helicopters to play a family game. I think it was Thanksgiving or something, a traditional softball game. And he puts this check in front of this kid and says, if you hit a home run, his parents look worried. You, you can't really understand, are they worried because they know the damage this is going to do to their child? Or, like, oh, my God, is he serious? Could we get a million dollars? And he almost does it, but he doesn't. Roman tears up the check in his face. And then the father, Logan Roy, who, again, came from nothing. He, you know, yeah, real our, his, his, his brother, Ewan, can, basically puts him on the level of Hitler, or possibly worse in terms of his cultural malignance, his, his negative impact on the world. But came from nothing, had a traumatic childhood and, and you know, and all that stuff. And, Again, built his own wealth. He didn't. Ju- it wasn't just passed on to him. Yeah. And you know, old money or people that are given that silver spoon, they they tend to turn out to be in most cases terrible people, entitled, and they sometimes get off on the power play that comes with just stepping think, yeah. on the little people. Yeah, and I think. And then he had to end up. He had to send like Logan's team. Logan apologized, said great job, and then his little legal guys had him sign an NDA and paid them off a yeah, little bit. I, I think the big thing though is that. Logan's, let's not pretend Logan's a good guy. Logan's a despicable human being. But, um, and what... But he's not as bad as his kids. But here's the thing. He doesn't talk to his son. He doesn't tell his son to apologize. He doesn't straighten out his son. He fixes his son's dirty deeds. We can't speak. His dirty dudes. His dirty deeds for him. Without even telling him. His son walks away with zero consequences. Now his son's a a grown-ass man at this point, but it's just endemic, right? Because we've also seen this. When your parents have money like that, the consequences are different. When your parents donate money to the school, you can do ridiculous things and your parents come in and they fix it for you. And he does that for his kids. He, and again, it's complex, right? Because he came from nothing and he, 
he doesn't have the ability because he's so damaged as a child to show love to his kids. So the only way that he can is by covering their asses and being a financial provider. Um, but I, I think Roman's gross, but I think the grossest thing about Roman is I don't think he even realized. Like, he, he didn't have empathy. Like, he to him it was a game. Like, oh, it was a bet. It was a wager. This kid wasn't going to hit the home run anyways. But what he what to him a million dollars is nothing. These people are... Hundreds of millionaires, if not the dad's probably a billionaire. They're all billionaires. Every they're one of them. Eventually, going to be a billionaire for sure. But at least hundreds of billionaires. As a family, they're billionaires. To him, a million dollars is nothing. Like it, it really is nothing. It, it might be like a thousand dollars for an average, or average middle class, which is still a lot. And that family might not even make in their entire lifetime of double income. Yeah. If they are double income, they might even make a million dollars. No. And he waved in this child's face. He basically waved an amount of money that would completely change his family's life. And, um, as a joke, like just to do that, just to wave it in front of your face, just the damage I can do to a kid to think like he failed to basically change his family's life. And Roman didn't even think, I mean, he thought it was funny. He didn't even understand. He just couldn't possibly, he's never a day in his life had to worry about a a cent. I mean, they're, they're, they're so rich that they could make no, you know, they could live lifetimes on that money. Is it possible to be a billionaire without being a psychopath? That's the great question and it is a strong question <laughs> i mean it, it, it's just it's, so much money than you'd ever need to ever yeah. use or spend and I, I don't even care how much you give to charity because anyone really knows like to accumulate that much money <clears throat> it, it has to come at no, some and serious and exploitation and, some serious exploitation and it's it's um it's almost impossible to not exploit someone and there is an ethical question like if you have more money than you can spend in a hundred lifetimes and it is sitting there while it could literally save lives, it's hard to, the only ethical argument is the only argument against that. Well, it's my money. Right. And it's not a strong Yeah. And we don't, we don't want to get into political no, 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 bullshit no, today, but yeah. Really, like that's regardless of politics. Oh, sure. That's sure. Yeah. Ethical dilemma. hundred percent. Right? I'm posing the question because some people will legitimately say, well, it's their money. They can do what they want. Right. And the other side is, what I had said and people will fight. They'll claw each other's eyes out over that argument, but it is, it is, it is a great question. But in this case, waving a million dollars in front of a kid that has nothing as a joke, just giving them the concept or the thought that they could have had it and then just snatching it away. Now then the, yes, the father ends up giving the family a watch that I don't even know they understand the value of. I think it was a Patek Philippe, which is like, it can be like, um, um, or is it a Philippe? No, it's a Patek Philippe. It's like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, he got a watch as a gift, and was like, "Oh, thanks." Because it's like yeah, I, 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 can, I don't know. Do they have what am I gonna What am I gonna do with a hundred thousand dollar watch? I have I have ten. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's yeah, like yeah, he got he basically regifted them a hundred thousand dollar watch, and hopefully they understand the value of what they have and they go pawn it, and not at like a shitty pawn shop. Like they go to like a nice fucking jeweler, yeah. and get some money off of that. At least I can maybe pay for the kid's college. But so they come out ahead, but the kid at a very young age gets a real taste of what it's like to, to be to be treated like a toy. Yeah, because pe- because these people are so rich that people can just be their playthings and and with no consequence. And in the spoiler, <laughs> the episodes before the death of Logan Roy in season four, which is yeah, episode three in season four is just like wow, unreal. I mean. Honestly, all of season four was incredible. There are the the four best episodes in the whole show, in my opinion. 
Our episodes three, eight, nine, and ten in season four, we'll talk about them. But he, he's, he just, he, this is, these are his words in the show. You know, these people are pygmies. I'm a hundred feet tall. All they do is make a market. You know, um, that, that's all how, it's how he sees people. You know, again, that, that's ultimately, if, to accumulate that much wealth and be that much of a success machine, it really tells you about the level of cynicism you must have to become that way. And again, you know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to go too off topic with this stuff here, but, you know, ultimately, um, I think a good place to start is this whole thing is, is about succession. It's about, there, there's, it's four kids, but it's really three kids with his second wife, Kendall, Shiv, and Roman, all fighting to take over the company. And each go through a series of, of positions where, one leads and the other trail and have to fight to get back in the mix. And it just, they battle back and forth. Ultimately, it seems like their father doesn't even really want to give it to any one of them. And in the end, nobody gets it except the corporate slut that is Tom Wamsgams. Who comes from the Ohio. Okay, yeah. Self, self-made, but, but, you know. What I'm saying is that... It, well, one of the big themes, and early on, Kendall says this in one of their many blow-ups early on, uh, because basically the premise, the first episode is that Kendall is going to inherit the, basically become the CEO of the company. His dad's supposed to retire. And at the very last minute, after Kendall's waited his whole life since he was seven years old, his dad promised him this company and has strung him along, he decides last minute, no, I'm not going to retire. And that's really the catalyst because all that happens is, is now fighting where Kendall's going to try to take over the company through various methods, corporate methods, you know, corporate takeovers or whatever. Um, but at the heart of it, and why it's interesting how Tom ends up getting it, because Tom came from, comes from just like, again, he's just like this local yokel Ohio guy with like, you know, probably working class, maybe middle class uh, upbringing. Midwestern. Midwestern, yeah. yeah. I'm from um, I'm from Milwaukee, by the way. So especially yeah. when he brought his family came to events, it's like, oh yeah, this is a Midwest yeah, family. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you can tell like he's he's trying to like he likes the finer things in life. He wants to be part of the upper class and 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 not just the money, but the prestige. You know, so he he presents himself very differently when you see his family. They're just like, oh, they're just like nice down home folk. But at the heart of it, there's a couple things. Logan is very one of the insidious things is that he basically pits his children against each other to fight for this. And he probably has done it their whole lives. We're only seeing them as adults. But the implication is that he he makes them fight for the throne. He puts them in positions where instead of unifying them, they do unify because they're kind of like raised by wolves. Their mother is not their mother is um, an English woman who like lives overseas constantly. So she does she kind of abandon them. I didn't think it was possible to have a worse parent than Logan Roy until yeah. I met their mother. Yes, yeah, she's just completely cold. You know, sometimes they say, oh, they need a person. You're like, they shouldn't have had kids. She's one of those people. Like, she just is disinterested in them. It's like a joke. Like, they joke about it with her because it's so apparent she can't even deny it and pretend, you know. And, um, and then their father is a billionaire busy running one of the most important media companies in the world. And, and pretty much, he, he's and pretty much positioned as like... Rupert Murdoch. Yeah, this is based on the Murdoch family. Yeah, loosely, loosely as like a, and um. And for those listening, he's the he's the guy that made Fox. Yeah, Fox News. So, um, but I think, and this happens a lot, and it doesn't even have to be a billionaire. 
But when you jump up a class or maybe two or three classes and then you have kids, you struggle. I'm sure we don't have kids, but I've thought about if we were, um, what, how do you instill gratitude and values and appreciation for things when they've had it, when they have more, right? And, and this is an extreme case because he came from nothing. You know, like World War II exiled, you know, came on a boat type of nothing. And now he has the most, probably one of the richest men in the world. And I think none of his kids, and I think the reason he kind of pits them against each other is so that they're, they're like little crabs in a barrel that'll never actually get to the top because deep down inside he despises Yes. That they were born with everything and he has to make their life difficult. So this is, and, and I'm going to ask you like who, whose team you were on. But again, like a lot of people be like, which team are you on? And again, I, I'm knowing his shortcomings and there are many, but I, I was, I was kind of always team Kendall because <clears throat> just brief background. My father is an immigrant from Tunisia, came from a slum in the desert in North Africa, came here without knowing the language started as a cable guy, learned how to become an engineer, and really built a good life for himself in the, in the country of the U.S. of A. And <clears throat> during that process, again, he, his father died when he was 10. He took care of his family and, and, and continued to do so when he came to the States. And, and again, his father had four wives. Okay, this is, this is a polygamous Muslim country. And he took care of his family in Tunisia and also his family here. And... I felt like he hated me. He would just, he'd look at me watching TV. I, look, I did my homework. I went to school. I was a good student. I was a good, I was a committed athlete, but I didn't have to work and take care of people yeah. from when I was 10. You didn't have to leave your home country. There's just nothing you can do will compare to the same struggle. But, but I, I felt like he hated, he hated me because I had such an easier life than him, though he worked so hard to provide me the life. It's a really sick yeah. family dynamic and that's what I'm saying yeah. so I really resonate it really resonated with me and also just personally uh Kendall Kendall ha has it out of all three of the kids all four of the kids if we want to include fucking Connor from Ferris Bueller um K Kendall has it they're like if you, I, I don't know anybody listening if you've ever done a eulogy I did one for my grandma and I had it planned it's not easy to do <laughs> it's a very emotional surreal experience the way he went up and fucking hit a home run in the funeral, the way he stepped up unscripted, unscripted for the living plus promo. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, he, I mean, yeah, he's a showman, but <clears throat> much like myself, I'm capable of doing stuff like that. Speaking, writing, uh, in front of groups. That's how I initially built my career in this fitness space. Um, and it's what allowed me to work through men's health's brand, but I've got some fatal flaws in terms of how I deal with people, and, um, obviously I don't have like the true drug addiction stuff he has, but I, I've battled food addiction. I have an obsessive kind of compulsive perfectionist personality that can, and the self-sabotage that has just hit me time and time again in my life as it has for him. So even though I know he's a douchebag, even though, uh, I know he's entitled and, um, you know, he has a lot of flaws, his character in particular resonates with me. And again, I consider him the eldest son. I, I think Connor is like, Connor is, he is, he is the oldest of this, of the, the sibs, but he's not the eldest son. We know that. Well, yeah. That, and there's, it's, it's different, especially when you have that immigrant father 
to, to, you know, first generation sun dynamic where they're like, they see you, like everything you do is easier than them. Yeah. And they're, they've like, worked so at, hard and you just fucking loathe them. He would get so mad. I'm just, I'm, re- I'm resting. I finished my book. I'm just watching yeah. some television. It will never. Why do I have to suffer like you did? And the thing is, I think now that we're old enough, you realize it's not just like they suffered. It's hard to be a grown up. They're currently suffering. And they're yeah. dealing with their own traumas that they, they have not worked on. And, and really, and stre- stress is a killer, man. Yeah, so it's very easy to just recycle the trauma and put it on your kid instead of working on yourself. And it's hard to work on yourself for many reasons. And also, when you're raising kids, it's you just don't have the damn time. But, and, and the final thing before I, I want to hear your perspective, wh- whose team you're on, and mm-hmm. I suspect, I suspect who it is. I think you think you know who it is. Yeah, no, I think I think I know. I'm not going to say, but I think I think I know, but we'll see what you say. <laughs> but also... And this is something that's been typical of my life. Some people, not everyone, but some people are red light fucking performers. And if you don't push them into a corner and make them fight their way out of that corner, they actually they just can't really activate themselves fully. But if mm-hmm. you put them in that situation, it's it's a miserable experience. They hate being there, but they're they are at their fucking best. That that's yeah. And, and I'm that way, and, and my father was that way, Logan Roy is that way, and so was Kendall. They're, they're activated entirely by fight or flight, but fight or, fight or flight, again, a, a lot of people, they flight. They gone flight. Yeah. But um, if you're a fighter, and you know who I'm talking about, if you're listening to this, you know what, you know what I'm saying, like, you, shit hits the fan, and you, you just activate. There's literally, it's in your what, fucking yeah. genes. But you don't know what to do with yourself when you're not fighting. And I think that is a tragedy of Kendall and why he's, she struggles with addiction um, is because when he... Well, okay, so first of all, his father groomed him in a devious way. Like, he, you know, he says in one of the final episodes that when he was seven years old, he sat him down and he promised him the company. And ever since then, he's been just holding it in front of him like a carrot just out of reach. And he uses it to manipulate him and play with his mind. And, you know, he associates it with love and approval from his father. Um, and... And so when his dad, especially as he gets closer to when he thinks, okay, finally I'll have it. And his dad continues to toy with him and play with him. He goes through these wild swings. So he'll have these moments where he's defeated and he just gets in the pits, right? Just complete. Like he looks like um, a hound dog. (sighs) That guy is such a good fucking actor. actor. It's Jeremy Strong. Yeah, Jeremy Strong. Wow. He is amazing. Um, And so that's when he usually will turn to drugs because, right, like, if he doesn't have that thing, that fire, something pushing him, something that's activating him, he has, he just gets lost and probably feels dead inside and the drugs probably either numb that or make him feel less dead. And then he'll have something, a moment of inspiration or a, a, a thing of hope where he thinks he has a chance again and then he gets into this almost, like, manic, chaotic go mode. And it's clear that then he's not on drugs. Like, he doesn't even have to try to quit. No. Most of the time, I mean, he might do a little coke here and there, but, like, as far as just being, like, completely off the rails on drugs, it kind of fixes itself because the drug is chasing yeah, the he, CEO he goes crown. He goes Terminator mode. But once yeah. once once John Connor is acquired, what, what is what his role in, in this world? Yeah. So, or not acquired. Boy, maybe John Connor commits suicide or something or wins. I mean, I don't know because they keep doing this. They keep taking this franchise places. But they're, they're apparently in the process of 
the, well, the new Terminator is kind of everyone's like, okay, I'm done with it. But no, apparently they're really <laughs> no, trying. Yeah. I feel like this this has a chance I'll of being be like <clears throat> like Rocky Six, where they're no, they're gonna come. Though, I, though I liked five more than people, uh, most people did because I'm yeah. just such a Rocky fan. We did a Rocky podcast, by the way, that like one or two people listened to. Um, <laughs> so you might want to check those out. But um, in Rocky Six, they truly did go back to that that classic feel of, of Rocky. And I think they're yeah. trying to do that with the next Terminator, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, I think there's enough distance from the last attempt yeah. that they can look and do like the a last mortem. three attempts really, yeah, but and say like, okay, here's where we screwed up and let's see if we can rebuild this. So, so whose team are you on? This is the thing. I'm not really on a team. I think, no, you that, can't do that. You got to pick someone. Okay, but let me explain <clears> first and then I'll explain. But if I have to pick, here's what I'll pick. I think ultimately the truth is that Logan didn't want any of his kids to run the company. He literally died trying to sell it at that point. Um, and I think we've kind of said this that... His last words to them are, I love you, but you're not serious you're not people. serious people. And again, I think it all comes down to the fact that they'll... To him, they'll always be lacking something because they were just handed it. Ultimately, no matter how hard they work for it, the only reason they're in line is they were born into it. So he can never take them seriously. And then it is kind of like a clown show a lot of times. Like there's times where Kendall's great and he's on the money, but there's a lot of times where they're just, they're just three clowns fighting for something that they're fighting. The only reason they're able to even fight for it is because of their station in life where they were born. And he, the irony is they're his kids and he's all about family and, and wanting them to supposedly inherit the company, but he can't take them seriously because they'll never be him. And they can never be him because they're his kids. Like, that's the big circular thing. Yeah, he, he failed them more than they failed him. Yeah, and, um, you know, towards the end, he, he's, he doesn't have the emotional depth or capabilities, the bandwidth. But they basically have a big falling out before he dies. And he starts to, you can tell he's grumpy because they're not around and he, he misses them. Like, I think he realizes that he's surrounded by all these other people, all these sycophants and all the people that work for him and are yes men. And it's only in their absence that he kind of appreciates his kid's presence. But and ultimately, so here's, here's the DL on, or here's the quick download on Logan Roy. And, and this was uh, Naomi um, Pierce, who yeah. at one, one point was uh, Kendall's... Like lover, confidant for the Pierce yeah. PGN group. The Pierce family, Com- competitive I would say they're almost media like, conglomerates. Yeah, like they would be the owners. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying in real life, but maybe to- the Times or CNN or something like that. The yeah, they're, they're like they're like MSNBC to their yeah. Fox, yeah, right? Exactly. They're so but <clears throat> um, she said it to him like point blank: "Your dad only likes you when you're broken." Mm-hmm. Their dad, their dad, did not. He didn't want to see them successful. He likes for them to need him. And they didn't, and not having them around and needing them because again, he, he's he's got like many uh, immigrants who come here and do great things, and then their kids, their spawn just they don't have it. Like all three of them collectively, That's you the put them together, like, they could have maybe they been could have been the one. And the thing is, not one of them. He would always like he might have these. You you, you wonder how heartfelt they are, but there were times he'd have conversations with other uh, executives or whatever where he's trying to figure out which kid to go with. And he would kind of out loud say, oh, but this one has this, but they don't have this. And that one has this, but they don't have that. So it was like he could never find he could never find one of his kids to be the complete 
right person for the job. And he just liked to play them against each other. Again, yeah, he, spent, he spent the final years of his life when he should have been, he should have exited, retired, enjoyed his wealth, looked back, you know, fixed some of these broken relationships in his life from all the work. And he just, he made, it, it made it, it peaked. He made it, yeah. it's absolute worst between them and they'll never be the same. I, I don't even know if these people, these kids will get together moving forward. The only reason I think they will is because they always have. They, and that's how I mean, they are. They yeah, the worst to each They'd other. always get back together in the guise of having to see their dad to make a play. And now, yeah, that's now true. that's gone. So, I mean, so, so, well, so have, what, t- what team are you on? I would say if I had to pick, it, it would be Shiv. And I only say that because I do think Kendall has it. But I also think he's a clown. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, he has it as in he is a red light performer. He can put on the show. But when you see him behind the scenes, he kind of just, it's like a kid playing house in a way. Like, and I think that's also why Shiv couldn't bear to vote him through. Um, He's a front man. Yeah, yeah. And that's really why the co-CEO thing could have worked. Yeah. Because Shiv, I mean, if we're just talking on a technical basis, Roman's out of the question. Roman's a completely like broken, borderline psychopathic person who I don't even think really wanted the job. It's just he felt he had to want the job because, again, he was raised to want the job and to compete with his siblings. And I think he kind of is by the end when, when he says, we're all nothing, this is nothing. I think, I mean, he really realizes like, oh, this was a construct. Like, Yeah, none of it's real. No, we were born into this. Yeah. Like, we're fighting over this because we were born into it. And we're really not the people. Like, this is, what are we even fighting about? And I think particularly for him, he just wanted to be the, he, he wanted his dad's approval more than all of them. I think he, honestly, of all of them, he was the most needy. He's the middle child, which, by the way, blew my mind. I didn't realize that Shiv was the youngest one because they made, like, a comment earlier on. There were some things that happened early in the show where they were, like, undecided about certain things, and then as the show evolved... They, well, he's such a tiny man, so you just assume yeah, he, that he's a baby. Yeah, in real life, he's older than her, but she looks very much yeah. like a woman. You know what I mean? He's got, like, boyish... He looks like, I always, I said this to you, like, a Furby in the face. Sure. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, they have round... There's something about... It's not an insult to him, but, like, literally his face Oh, pictures. he's not insulting. He's no. listening. He's a, he also <laughs> listens to my podcast. What is it? And he is insulting. Do you call him... How do you pronounce his last name? McCulkin? McCulkin. Like, like... Sudukis? Sudukis. Sudukis and McCulkin. They do listen, because those are other people. Yep. There's some guy named Sudukis who listens, and a McCulkin who listens. But, um... He's got a baby face. So, but he's actually the middle child. So he's got middle child syndrome stuff going on. And he really wants his dad's approval. So I think it's 100% driven by wanting to emulate his dad and his dad's approval. And then once it's gone, it's like he can be free. Sure. He never really wanted it. And deep down inside, he just wanted to, to win and to be the one on top and be just like his dad. So Kendall epitomizes the nepotism that the show tries to confront. And then Shiv epitomizes the intent. Like, of all, of all, the, of all the ease... It's misogyny that really comes mm-hmm. through in this show. So go ahead. Continue yeah, on I mean, the team Shiv. She's the, I would say she's the sharpest as far as like when you look at her, she's like, she's got her faults and her faults is arrogance. Naivete. And naivete, but they come hand in hand because she, she's smart, but she always thinks she's smarter than everyone she encounters and she'll miss what seems so obvious when you're watching. Always her. overplays her hand. Yeah. Gives out too much information. Never holds yeah. it close to the vest. Yeah. So, so it's a combination of those two things and... But as far as, like, capability, I think she's the most capable of just running a business. And she's not the red light performer. She's not going to be the most exciting speaker, which is probably, again, why the dad struggled. Because 
Kendall can get up and just like nail a random speech. But, He's a little bit of a douchebag. Right. She, she is a CEO. Bag. Like she is of all of them, a she is CEO. She you know been. a more analytical mind, um, more politically astute. Obviously, she was a political operative before she tried yeah. to come over to the company. Um, for sure, like if she they, doesn't bring a lot of the like. I think stuff that like baggage of like she kind of keeps her business I mean I, obviously she's married to someone who's in the business Tom but I feel like the guys they, they bring a lot of like bullshit into it she really tries to just keep it about the business when she's there and just like execute the business um I don't know she's just more serious they, he says they're not serious people but I would say she's the most serious of no she's serious but she's <clears throat> but she she's lacks serious. experience she's unqualified yeah. and she wants to skip steps Yes. Like a lot of like, and we're millennials and, and this is, this is probably even more of a case in the generation underneath us, but there's, there is a lot of millennial entitlement. We, we believe we deserve the best. I'm we a were, college graduate. Yeah. We were told this. They said, they said if we just yeah. got good we grades. Were told, we were told. You yeah. Know? This is like Logan, right? Yeah. They told, he told them, do this, do this, do this, and you will get this. And we expect success. Yeah. <laughs> you told us. Yeah. Just do X, Y, and Z. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say if I had to pick, but I, I'm also understanding her glaring f- flaws and that she's, she plays the game just a little bit off-key, like a little bit off, and as a result, always always at the last minute messes up her play. Um, but a lot of it is she's fighting an uphill battle because there is it, it's not even like hidden. There's blatant sexism. Her own dad, he literally only brings her into the fold at the very end. So she, it starts off where she's a, like, she's a political operative. She's like, you know, a chief of staff or something for like a senator. And she's climbing up that ladder, you know, where she could maybe one day work for a president. And I think two things. The dad is, he's kind of like apolitical because he's kind of like a chaos agent and he goes where the money goes. But, it, you know, he also runs what's like a Fox News. So he's more right wing, at the very least independent leaning right. And she's more... I would say neoliberals. Yeah, feminist, sure. um, He, I think he wants to get her out of that. He wants her to pull her out of that. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like those people and he doesn't want her there. So he, and he also wants to spicy, spicing up, if that's a phrase, but make the competition between his other two sons more rigorous. So by pulling her in, it gets her away from the politics that he doesn't like, but it also ignites his other sons. So she just gets used as a pawn. He never, he tells her she's a chance, but deep down inside because she's a woman, and it's pretty clear that it's because she's a woman, she'll never get the chance. And, I mean, the, the, the heartbreaking whole twist of this, and listen, she was not good to him necessarily, nor was he to her, but her husband, Tom, who's like this blatant, like, um, smarmy, uh, he's a, cor- he's a corporate social, meat suit. Social climber. Interloper. Interloper, yeah. And not in a way that like, oh, you don't belong here because you came from Ohio. Like literally, like anytime something was happening with her, it could be like, my dad just betrayed me. He just did this horrible thing and then he'd be like, okay, but, okay, so first thing, where where does, does my job okay? Like that, all he cared about yeah. was himself climbing the ladder and he's just like you said, a meat suit. Um, he doesn't have any raw talent like Kendall or anything. That he he's, he's just a yes man, and in and, Shiv's words, he will suck the biggest dick in the room. Which yeah. for a guy like Matson, who Matson is basically like he's a mix of all these like he's like tech, Elon Musk meets Mark yeah, Zuckerberg meets sure. all these yeah he's the, the tech bro all these other fucking psychopathic reptiles yeah like you feel like they're lacking something that's like human yeah 
they're, they're these off. fucking lizard motherfuckers. Yeah, they don't. They they don't. They see people as products. They see people as data. And they, um, chaos agents. Yeah, and they're just gonna do what they want. And um, he, I lost my train of thought. But um, I lost my train of thought with the massive thing. Well, let's tie it back in because I said this is not only the first show I ever immediately rewatched, but perfect ending. Like, I was disappointed because, again, I was pulling for Kendall, and I actually liked the idea of all three of them working together in the end, but it was not a practical ending for the way that the show, the themes of the show and what the, the natural arc of the show, and they ended early. They, yeah. they left you wanting more. I think a lot of these other series, uh, yeah, you know, they, they dragged it out <clears throat> to try like, to maximize okay, profit. Go ahead. Back to Shiv, which was that the, the tragedy of it all is that he ends up becoming the CEO. The company is basically taken away from the kids. They're voted, their family's voted out. There's a takeover with this Matson guy who's like the tech bro. And her husband, this sniveling user, becomes the, the, the power player. He's the CEO and she has to now just be like his first lady. It's such a tragedy because that, that's, she basically becomes her mom. And that's basically the new version of her dad. Her though dad, though yeah. he's an untalented version. Yeah. Like her dad at least had instincts and vision. Yeah, no, Tom, no. Is ju- Tom is literally just a corporate meat suit. He, he's just there to do whatever Matson says, the owner. And he... Um, but he's like, he reminds me, even though Littlefinger was killed in Game of Thrones. Spoiler alert! <laughs> no. he's like, to me, he's like a corporate Littlefinger. The man behind the man. Yeah, the, yeah. The he's pain, like the Littlefinger. Pain right sponge. Now, in his defense, he's not... Their relationship is complex, and he's not as... Uh, I think Logan at his funeral is described as a brute by his own son um, in the eulogy. But it's an accurate description. He's a brute. He, he's, he's just... You know? Tom is not like that. Tom is more... Again, he tries to present himself as, like, high society, and he's more genteel, and he's, he's not a brute towards her, but he's, he's a slimy... He's a slimy guy. He's a snake. So... She made her calculations, and she decided that I'd rather be with this snake than be with my brother the clown, than have my brother the clown run the company. Plus, she's also she's got his seed in his body. Yeah, it's a complicated pregnant. situation. She's, yeah, it's, we're trying to sum up a freaking series. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we got about five minutes it's, left, it's, by it's the way. It's a tragedy because she like she's the most capable of the siblings on just like I think a purely logistics way, and she loses it to her own husband. Because, and by the way, he's that type of guy. He doesn't, he doesn't bat an eyelash at the prospect of stealing. Who plays her and betrays her just like her father did. Yeah, exactly. And And she can't, she can't get enough of it. The moral of the story, everyone just repeats whatever their, fuck their parents did to them or taught them. If you don't break the cycle and she's, she's back in it. She's back in it. She's with a version of her dad or at least someone who treats her similarly. Because that's the only way she knows how to relate to men. Every guy in her life betrays her so congratulations uh, good luck on the baby <laughs> so think about how you want to what you want to leave the people with in the five minutes that remain i, I just want to highlight as i mentioned earlier in the show here just for these four episodes episode three when logan Roy dies and like you don't even really see him oh, yeah. but it is such a powerful episode episode eight is america decides which is basically like it gave me flashbacks to 20 16, I feel like it's, it's, it's a prediction of what could happen 
in 2024. Like, shout out to where I'm from, Milwaukee. Milwaukee being the place that oh, the election Milwaukee center fire. got burnt down and completely fucked up uh, the election predict, the predictions election. and the f- fictional election. Um, and again, TV and movie does a great thing. These visionaries, they, they kind of, they know how to capitalize on the moment and predict possible futures. They sometimes give people ideas, I feel. I know, <laughs> like, ah, don't do this! Walk your fire department, get your, get your trucks ready. It's like streaming businesses are already troublesome. Yeah. I don't need more. Tumult, episode nine, the funeral. T- uh, oh. Two of the most intense eulogies, uh, Logan's brother, and then obviously what Kendall does, and then episode 10 is just like, they, they finish, these motherfucking geniuses, they finish with a feature-length movie. Out, an hour and a half episode that um, I just think they, it was a perfect ending for the show. It, it's, it's perfectly dissatisfying in real, and, but at the same time makes you want more, makes you want to rewatch it right away, which is what we did. I wanted to get this out sooner because, but I'm like, I, I have to rewatch it because you go back with the perspective of knowing what happened and you see all these things you may have missed. And by the way, Breaking Bad was very similar. We had well, just rewatched that it. recently. Not waiting a year between things. Yes, you got to watch it in succession. Because yeah, these, these are like a day at a time, yeah, some of these episodes. Time unfolds differently and you see things, how, how they relate to each other in a much clearer picture. And it, it, it changes the way you see the story. Um, I got to say the ending, so Kendall doesn't get it. And the, the, the way the show ends is just him standing or sitting in front of uh, maybe the Hudson or he's maybe in Battery Park. I can't remember, but it's just like a very choppy waters and he looks like a ghost is what BJ said. He He's a person who whose entire life's purpose has evaporated into thin air. That's it. There's no other chance. And the way it happens is also such a gut punch and so, so shocking to him. And it just ends on him kind of looking out lost. And you wonder what's going to happen to this person. Because it would not... There's many ways we can go. We kind of decide, like, he can either have a complete, like, rebirth. You know, a couple years. Where, in a way, he is freed. Because he is a prisoner to his father's expectations and the company and the things he was told as a child that he should be. So he can be free or he can jump off a bridge. Yeah, like well, that's so really, it's, it's, either, you don't know what's going to happen. I think either way, he's going to he's gonna reach rock bottom and he's going to try to take his own life. And if he hopefully he doesn't and he can come to the other side in a rebirth. And make make be his own man, make his own way in life. He's never going to be like... Michael Jordan's sons will never going to be Michael Jordan. Yeah, it's just the uh, they're unfair expectations, but he can still do great things. He he does have he's the most naturally naturally talented of all of them. He has the energy to pull people in his direction. Like yes, yes. Um, um, but some glaring, you know. Maybe he'll spend some time with his kids finally, huh? Maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. But um, I'm hoping he finds. I'm hoping this imaginary character finds his way through what will be the worst couple years of his life in the aftermath oh of this. He, it, I imagine as a, it, like if I'm in his shoes, he probably just felt so He died. Sick. He died. His identity yeah. is gone. Yeah. He died. He had an ego death. He, I mean, he was humbled because he, he thought he had it. Yeah. And it was pulled out under, from, under him so quickly in that board meeting. Um, so I mean, look, we could do Shakespearean. The whole thing's very Oh, no. It just, very it's, it's such good writing, such good acting. You, if you haven't watched it, 
I don't know why you've listened to this episode because we've ruined everything. But um, if you have, at the same uh, time, there's so much that happens. You yeah, can yeah, watch no, it, and still it, it doesn't shocked. matter. It doesn't matter because no. it just this is just so many ethical dilemmas and it's so current with like a, a lot of the things. And we like got thirty a, seconds yeah, left. Like a great tragedy, right? You know, Romeo and Juliet die at the end. You can still watch Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, it's like that. So that's how good that's how good of a show it is. Um, where can they find and learn more about you? Twisted Mirror Podcast. Say, say it clearly. Say it oh. slowly and clearly. <laughs> TwistedMirrorPodcast.com or just look up twi- The Twisted Mirror on your podcatcher. That's three words. The Twisted Mirror and a five-star. Look, we spent an hour with you. It takes a second to click five-star. A rating is also appreciated. Love you guys. Peace. Bye.